Hi everyone! Thank you for joining us. This is Are these books strong? I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. I'm Mariana. And I'm Daniel. What? What? Yay! (laughs) This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Mariana, I'm taking your job. (laughs) Beautifully done, Ems. Beautifully done. With a male guest appearance, as you may have heard. Today, Hi. we are so excited to have Daniel K. Isaac with us for today's yes. guest star episode. What? what? Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A little introduction for our incredible fourth voice before we dive in. Daniel is an actor, writer, producer, director, reader extraordinaire, and overall good human being. Yes, (laughs) he is. You may recognize him from his recurring role as the lovable smarty pants Ben Kim on Billions. In addition, he has made appearances with memorable characters in the TV series The Other Two, The Deuce, and The Expecting, just to name a few. Some of his film credits include The Drummer, The Dark End of the Street, and Jodie Foster's directed Money Monster. Not to mention he has an impressive theatrical resume as well. Daniel, you truly do it all. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best projects he's been a part of, in my humble opinion, is that of which he co-created and starred in, a moving and hilarious TV series called According to My Mother, which is yeah. inspired by the often outlandish text messages he receives from his mm. Korean mother. Daniel can't <laughs> wait to talk about that more later. <laughs> it must be noted that the four of us, Mariana, Brandy, Daniel, Daniel and I, met while doing a Theater 167 play six years ago. So we're wow. thrilled to bring on this very special guest, as this is the first time that we've actually all been reunited since that production. Yeah, crazy. Yes. Crazy. It's insane. <laughs> time flies. Daniel, we are so excited to have you here with us today to close Truly. out our discussion on The Vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, Thank it's you our for pleasure. being with us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, since today we're doing things a little differently, mm-hmm. we have asked our very special guest to select his cocktail of choice. Daniel enjoys a mouth-watering Negroni. Ooh. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. And who better than our Italian Aaron Rodgers to satisfy <laughs> <laughs> all our desires? Here to share the recipe for the Boulevardier, a twist on this classic cocktail, is our babe of a bartender, Ricardo! (laughs) (laughs) Get it, Mariana. Trying, trying. (laughs) Ciao, welcome to the bar. Hola! We brought a friend. This is Daniel. Nice to meet you, Daniel. Nice to meet you, too. I think you made him a special drink, right, Ricardo? Yes, yes. I knew your taste in terms of cocktail before knowing you, so today... (laughs) My love of bourbon. (laughs) Yes. So today, we are going to drink a Boulevardier. Ooh. So, a classic twist on the 
probably one of the most famous cocktail after the martini. So that, that, that's a twist on the Negroni. Oh. And uh, of course, Boulevardier is a cocktail born in France in 1927. was actually created for um, an American-born author that was living in Paris. And he was the author of this periodical called Boulevardier. Oh, so that's why that's why this cocktail is called Boulevardier, and it's actually a Negroni with a different ratios. So for this cocktail, we're gonna need an ounce and one quarter of bourbon, an ounce of Campari, and a three quarter of an ounce of sweet vermouth. Ooh, she's boozy. She's very boozy. <laughs> Are you ready, Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> I might have already doubled those portions in advance. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so stir the cocktail and strain it. You have two versions to serve this cocktail. One is up and the other one is over ice. Mm. I honestly prefer the up version oh. because of the bourbon. So if you dilute too much this cocktail, and it's very easy to dilute too much this cocktail once you have ice, unless you have like one of the big ice cubes in your uh-huh. glass, mm-hmm. you're gonna like ruin a little bit of the balance that is creating between the bitterness of the Campari, the sweetness of the vermouth, uh, the kind of a honey crisp taste of the bourbon. So I honestly highly recommend to drink it up. Okay. with, as a garnish, uh, orange peel. So as always, when we are eat, when we are drinking a cocktail up with a garnish that is a peel, let's try to express the essential oil in the cocktail, grab a little bit the edge of the cocktail where we are gonna put our lips, mm-hmm. but leave the, the peel on the opposite side of the glass. So we're actually having our lips where we are, where we had our essential oil and the nose where we still have the, the peel. And we're gonna enjoy this citrus fragrance on the cocktail. You just want to okay? taste it all. Yeah. I know, yeah. I've never had this drink and it's delicious. Ricardo, I used rye. Is that it's a it's another twist. It's a twist on the okay. boulevardier. Oh. I honestly like rye boulevardier. Mm. I okay. like them a lot, especially if you use a very rich and sweetie sweet vermouth like Carpano. Carpano Antica Formula, it's a super sweet vermouth. So okay. if you want to balance a little bit and using rye, go for it. It's nice. very nice. It's okay. a very nice combination. Ooh, thank you for that. Of no. course. Fabulous. Alla vostra salute. Grazie, thank Ricardo. You. Cheers. Thank you. Salute. Thank you, Ciao. Ricardo. Ciao. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, everybody. Cheers. 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 Salute. Thanks for picking this one, Daniel. Okay. I've never had this drink before, (laughs) which I'm embarrassed to. Well, I've never had a Negroni, but I've definitely never had a Boulevardier before. Crazy. Neither have I. It's delicious. It's really good. I love bourbon, so I have had this cocktail before (laughs) many, many times. And I love that we're having it for this book club. 
also because it's red like the book cover. Oh, oh. way to bring it back, Emma. <laughs> I mean, I... it is a beautiful color. <laughs> it is gorgeous. <laughs> Daniel, I have to ask, pre-COVID, did you have like a favorite place where you would go get a good Negroni or go get a good Boulevardier? Like, mm. did you have a spot? Um there wow i have completely forgotten all the bar names now that we <laughs> right? have been, been it's to been bars. too long oh, life no. before 2020 it yeah. truly is um i loved this bar in astoria um called second sun and second was spelled oh. s-e-k-e-n-d um and they made great great cocktails and that was my sort of i'd go by myself and have a Manhattan oh, or that. a Boulevardier or a Negroni mm. and read a book in the dim lighting and people oh. <laughs> would think I was weird. Or a lot of times I would go after I'd finished filming from mm. a long day and I'd go oh. by myself and sort of treat myself that. and decompress. Which yes. Is weird to read in a loud bar, but I can somehow do that and find comfort in doing mm. that. So, oh, I think that's great. Shout out to small businesses in yes. Australia. Absolutely. They have a great, like, neon red queen sign at the very back. So Ooh, it's like really okay. Instagrammable, you know? Oh. Um, so, okay. And now the I back patio <laughs> is open. So that's good for COVID times. Oh, for COVID. Oh. Okay. So I bet they've, I bet they're still there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Daniel. We're so excited to talk to you about this book, especially since we actually picked it based on the fact that I think Emma saw it on your Instagram <laughs> uh, a while back. She thought it looked Busted. interesting. So, <laughs> so you're actually the reason that we read this book at all. So we actually have you to blame, sir. Yay, for all the haunted dreams you have Exactly, now. for all of the nightmares. <laughs> your fault. The first thing I have to ask is, did we butcher... <clears throat> the pronunciations <laughs> of the characters' names? How did you oh, do? <laughs> so I listened to the first three episodes about this book, oh, and then I, I cross-referenced. It took me a while to find a Korean PDF of the um of the text and then i called my mom and i said how do you say these characters which in korean is a hit a yacha and an e and so that combined is a he sound like an h-e-h -H. Oh. but the way korean is transcribed into english or to the english alphabet um, they put that H-Y-E, which I have uh -huh. always hated and I think is really misleading. And yeah. um, when Americans are so familiar with, say, a Japanese menu or Japanese names, the Y seems so much more important. Whereas yeah. in this case, in the Korean proper pronunciation, it is not of mm. that uh, level of importance. So, mm. so yes, we butchered their name. <laughs> yes. so Thank you for being so kind. Young he or in he um, <laughs> are the sisters. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like, I think it might differ region to region within Korea. So you might not have been too terribly off, but um, okay. it is, I blame the way that Korean is transcribed into English mm. for many things. Because even for young, we all know young as Y-O-U-N-G, uh -huh. not mm -hmm. Y-E-O-N-G. E yeah. And that's just right. one of the many differences that I um, have gripes with. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. <laughs> should have it's within you. the four episodes, you know. <laughs> Could have <laughs> asked you before episode one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it's okay, I want to just kind of jump right in with our first question for you. As you Please. know from listening to our last three episodes, that this is a huge part of our our deal. We like to ask questions, to learn about each other 
in a more personal way that relates to the book. I love it. So I'm I love just gonna, how vulnerable you guys are about yourselves oh. in relation to the books. And I, I think Thank that's you. a really beautiful thing to share with, oh. you know, audiences out there whom you may or may not know. So oh. thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now that you've said that, I have a vulnerable <laughs> question for you. Get ready. <laughs> All right. So this is a two-parter. I love a two-part question. Throughout the book, we get a pretty good glimpse of a lot of aspects of Korean culture and traditions many of which to our Western society might seem harsh or intense. You know, we do have to remember that we are reading the book through a Western lens Mm -hmm. and placing most of the power and dominance in the men. I'd love to hear more about any Korean traditions or cultural elements that were passed on to you. I know you are Mm Korean-American, so specify that. Um, But any traditions or cultural elements that were passed on to you in your upbringing, and if there was any correlation to what we read in the book and what you may have experienced in your own life, Part two, if you're open to discussing it, I know you were raised by a single mother who has held on very tightly to her Christian beliefs, mm-hmm. according to my mother. Let's bring her back in. And is very vocal with you about your thoughts on your sexual preference. Totally. Do you think if you were one of the male characters in this story, married to these women and behaving in exactly the ways they were, your mom might have a different perspective on you, even being the devout Christian that she is? Mm. Or would this behavior be as foreign to her as being gay is to her? These are amazing questions. And make sure I answer both of them and don't get lost in one or the other. But I I do believe my answers are probably intertwined. Mm. I would say, first off, that... I'm a Korean American born and raised in California, and my mm. mother immigrated to the States, I believe, in 1980. And so I believe with immigrants, a theory I have, which I'm sure I've read somewhere, but have adapted to my own understanding with my mother, is that because she immigrated in 1980, she comes with a set of beliefs, understandings, uh, political inclinations, um, opinions, etc., that reflect perhaps the world she was in in Korea in 1980 into America slash California, Southern California in particular, um, at a lower and lower middle class area of Los Angeles. And, um, And so I find with my mother and perhaps with immigrant parents, she becomes a time capsule for 1980 (laughs) and before of Korea, of South Korea, and holds on to many things stubbornly or out of a need to survive and Mm. to understand the world around her, especially when she is thrust in an environment that she's not familiar with. Mm. And thus maybe preserves things, whereas South Korea might continue to, say, modernize or become, quote-unquote, more liberal or open or democratic or perhaps less sexist or, you know, more inclusive in various ways. Mm -hmm. And she has not progressed in that way because she was no longer of her motherland in in a sense of osmosis or just literal, Uh um, you know... uh, her environment, and also is trying to act in a sense of preservation of her identity as a South Korean in America, mm. and that the notion of Asian American, which I don't like to hyphenate, but that straddling of two identities, especially for the immigrant, becomes even harder mm. as they grapple with 
who they are from where they came and from yeah. and where they are currently are. Mm -hmm. And all that to say that as a product of said immigrant mother, as an Asian American, I personally have only been to South Korea as a kid in the early 90s oh, and wow. um, don't have a, a very big relation to the country. And so mm. to read this book was very special as a way to perhaps tap in or become exposed to in the mother tongue that I am familiar with or mm. more fluent in, in English and to become exposed to cultures, traditions, you know, outdated sexist practices. Here's mm -hmm. my judgment, um, <laughs> perhaps. And how this author as a cis woman is grappling with it and exploring it or exploding it. And um, all that to say, or as a preface of my Korean American perspective and lens to our, you know, cocktail hour that we'll yeah. be having. <laughs> yes. um, to be specific about traditions or cultures that I hold on to still. Um, it was recently Lunar New Year this past yeah. week. And so um, normally I would have worn a hanbok, which is a traditional Korean garment. Mm. And um, men and women bow in different ways to their elders. And oh. after the bow, you receive money in red envelopes. Yeah. <laughs> which A, never happened to me because we were too poor. But B... Um, <laughs> Still would never happen to me with my mother, I don't think. <laughs> but um, there's certain food you eat, and one is called tteokguk. Mm. Uh, and tteok is uh, rice cakes in Korean. And mm. so Ooh. that was something I ordered from a Korean restaurant. Um, Are they delivery. sweet rice cakes? Like no, the sweet the, sticky ones? It's actually quite, I don't want to say bland because it sounds insulting, but <laughs> they roll these rice cakes like a long cylinder, and then they slice it at a diagonal. And so... Mm. Each slice is like a like an oval that's thin and angular, like a like a surfboard. It's hard to describe <laughs> yeah, for okay. people who are just that. listening. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like discs sure. that are slightly tilted. Sure. I'm sure there is a mathematical term for this shape. <laughs> anyway, if you took your toilet paper roll and like angled it and then cut into yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, I got you, I got you. Um, the surfboard. Yeah. So those rice cakes are like that and um, my broth was meat-based. My partner is pescatarian, which mm. I'm sure we'll get into more as we talk about this book. Yeah. Um, and I ordered him a different dish, but I wanted to participate by having traditional Korean meals as a touchstone yeah. um, to the holiday. Mm. And um, yeah, on my birthday, I eat noodles to symbolize long life. Oh, um, oh I like that. I think, oh, I did hear of a friend who didn't shower around Lunar New Year because you didn't want to wash away your good luck. I don't, oh. <laughs> I like showering twice a day, which is probably too much, <laughs> oh. but um, I <laughs> could never adhere to that practice. <laughs> <laughs> and then part two of this question, I find that my mother as a single woman, a single mom and an independent, stubborn, fierce trailblazer in many mm. ways, she, she fought for equal wages for women in the workplace in her office in South Korea and ah. left the company because they promoted a younger woman instead of her as wow. a sort of fuck wow. you to all the work you've been doing. We will quote unquote, create more an, of an equal wage for oh, women, mom. but not for you. And she sort huh. of flipped a middle finger up to that company and moved wow. to America. Or that was that one of her many so deciding brave. factors. Oh, right. My so I, I believe her to be a pioneer. And I also mm. believe 
humans are full of contradictions and I, in particular, my mother, but, you know, maybe just all humans. And so one of her many contradictions as pertaining to her, her version of the Christian faith and maybe her version of Korean identity is women are subservient to men, mm -hmm. which I don't believe that is all about our book, Vegetarian, but mm -hmm. I do believe there is a critique is in there. Yeah. And so my mom still defers to men and yet she is a you know single mom independent woman yeah. and i have such a hard time reconciling the fact that if i as a cis man were in a heterosexual pairing with a cis woman and say i won't go into domestic abuse but maybe verbal abuse territory mm -hmm. or requiring deferential treatment to me as the cis male I believe that she would support that rather huh. than condemn it. Whereas my experience of her is being a fierce, strong, independent yeah. woman who said fuck you to all the men around her mm -hmm. and didn't let them a, raise me or have a part in my life or say anything about my upbringing. Mm. But to her, God is male. Um, authority is male. Mm. And all of her pastors have been cis men and there is a, a power that she grants them that I find frustration with. And I would hope as we read the book in 2021 or I read it in 2020 that we see the what I would like to believe is a critique that Han Kang is posing towards that belief that we you know, must defer to men yeah. over women. Right. And to South Korea's credit, there have there has been a, a cis woman president before mm -hmm. we've had one in right. the states yeah and women in leadership positions mm. um but Hot. i i while i am not an expert on south korea i i do believe there still is this deferment mm. up to gender um and to the male gender over the mm -hmm. female. Mm -hmm. And I find that, of course, unfortunate and tragic Good. is the long answer to that two-part <laughs> mm -hmm. first question. No, it's perfect. I think I just, from the the little bit that I have come to learn about your mom from your art, the, the things that you write about her are just so, um, I'm just so fascinated by her. She's just such a, <sighs> not to make this podcast about your mom, but I just think <laughs> she is such a character and I would love to... I just really want to like meet your mom. <laughs> totally. Right. Right. I want to too now. Right. Well, apparently she won't take the vaccine because it's full of microchips or whatever conspiracy theory oh, is currently oh, trending okay. on that side sure. of um, quote unquote truth or rationale. Right. But um, I hope she can travel again after this all passes and I'd oh. love for you to meet her. Mm. And um, yeah. Full of contradictions. Mm. But also, I think motherhood is part of this. And I reread part three, the mm. Flaming Trees chapter, uh -huh. and I think motherhood is, is really tied up in the sister in his character. Yeah. And, um, and, and I did think of my mom a lot as well. And mm. as a cis male, I recognize I don't have authority on any of this, but postpartum depression or Absolutely. single motherhood and raising a child, I, I saw yeah. that echo there. And when she goes on that long walk in the mm. early dawn and yeah. um, leaves her child behind at home mm -hmm, and right. is going through her own shit. I think that's mm -hmm. very valid and um, not something I certainly would have heard from my mother who, you know, doesn't even encourage therapy. And I wonder mm. if that's culturally still true 
and I hope that it is not, but I can see um, a, a country that has become so intertwined with the Christian religion discouraging therapy. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if I have a new religion, it is to share the, yes. <laughs> the benefits of therapy. And I yes. would love for everyone to have <laughs> equal access to it. And oh, right. yeah. there are such benefits um, on all levels of life, walks of life. So, yeah. Yeah. You're so right, Daniel, because that really wasn't something that we touched upon, the whole idea of motherhood and that struggle, that internal struggle that mm. in he had. Totally. We, for her to really, through Han's writing, to really be able to visualize that and see that she would never come clean and tell anyone mm -hmm. of that day. Mm -hmm. She would never refer mm -hmm. back to that day because she couldn't even cope with it herself. Right. But she still went through it. Right. And she wonders if her son knows no. that she yes. did do that. I know. And like maybe on some psychic level that parent child collection connection yes. sort of does reveal that truth about yeah. her, whether or not we are conscious of it too at that yes. kind of age. But um it is beautifully, I think, written and articulated. Yes. And, uh, I imagine a point of empathy perhaps for parents in those mm. situations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I didn't even yeah. think about you touched on postpartum. I didn't even that hadn't even occurred to me, mm. uh, you know, in, in this circumstance. But yeah, that could also be tied into that for sure. I know the kid is a little older than immediately after giving birth, but yeah, single but parenthood, you know, writ large, yeah. I think is a if d the divorce rate is over 50 percent, then it must be a common denominator for um, right, right, right. Cis women sure to be able to empathize with. And I, yeah. I thought chapter to chapter. I loved how you guys discussed how you were excited to have a female perspective finally. Mm. And I, I do think it feels intentional that, that that was saved for last. I think it lands, you know, with greater impact, at least personally it did. And perhaps the point of empathy with my own mother is why, but still, mm. um, yeah. Daniel, can I ask you, what was, what, what was your journey in terms of, um, becoming an artist like what is your what is your mom's relationship with you being an actor what was it like for you to tell her that that's the path you wanted to take like what has that been like for you yeah mm. well to her credit she is the one who introduced me to theater oh. and um mm. even preceding my forays into acting she she did this thing that i will always sort of admire and love and and hope to emulate if I ever become a parent, where um, she worked a, a nine to five-ish job that actually extended beyond the hours of nine to five, mm -hmm. Monday through Friday. And she was a single parent and we didn't have much money. So what she would do is get the LA Times or the LA newspaper periodicals and look at what was offered for free on the weekends that were at museums or concert mm. halls or parks or libraries Aww. to constantly expose me to art and culture and wow. the world beyond what we as a single mom and only child could experience. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I had a different experience than perhaps many first generation Asian American kids to their parents mm. in my desire to pursue, pursue art, the arts because she herself was the one who encouraged my exposure to <laughs> That's it. That's so interesting. And I admire that she um, understood the importance. You know, I don't think our country puts much import, let alone money, into the arts. Ugh, and yet, no. um, for damn sure. as we look at who are, quote unquote, essential workers of our times, how many people in these 
pandemic quarantines have binged TV shows or watched back-to-back movies, devoured books as I have, and and chosen to engage in art Mm -hmm. uh, way more than they normally would have. And yet we are not paying these artists or supporting them with government infrastructure or bills or... Health insurance. Exactly. And so um, my mother to her credit, does understand that importance. And ultimately, after taking me to a lot of um, museums and galleries and operas and concerts and shows, um, wished that I wouldn't have stage fright in whatever I chose to pursue. And of course, those occupations should have been a doctor who has to give you know, <laughs> open speeches. heart surgery yes, right. Right, in front of a large audience. Can't have stage fright there. Right. No. Or a lawyer in front of a large courtroom or, mm. you know, a pastor with a large congregation. Mm. And so she um, introduced me to the, the church we attended's theater troupe that did an original play each Easter and Christmas. And that's how I first began acting was through church plays wow. and they were usually original works and so that's also I think where my love of new plays come from <laughs> even yeah. though those new plays were all designed to bring people closer to Christ and right. convert to Christianity <laughs> so um, while that may not be my purpose now much to my mother's chagrin um, that was my introduction to it and and I credit my mother for that certainly wow it's beautiful yeah since we we t- touched upon a little bit about the pandemic and yes. we've all definitely have had to really dig deep and ha- we've had a lot of time to be with ourselves and mm. just really take in what we have accomplished, what we haven't accomplished, what we need to do now to get to where we want to be mm-hmm. facing all these obstacles as artists. Last week, and I'm so grateful to you that you did say that we open up and become very vulnerable on this podcast. And that was one of the reasons why we did want to do this, because we did want to share our journeys with our listeners. Yeah. And there was a very important conversation that we had last week about realizations, because in the third section of this book, Mm. in he has a lot of realizations Mm -hmm. and a lot of things that she struggles with, which anybody would have to reflect upon everything that they've gone through in their past and see where things could have been different. Of course. My question to you is, do you, have you had a realization as of late where you thought your, to yourself, well, now that I know this, I'm going to do things differently from here on out, or I have at least come to terms with something that happened in the past? Hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that is a, a heavy question. Um, and I would... I would like to come to it with the same level of vulnerability that you all come to each episode. Mm. I think, you know, a running theme in my work in regards to my mother and to bring her up again. She is the star of this episode now. (laughs) Right, right. right. Yes, she is. You know, I'll tie it to the book and and her um, relationship to motherhood. And I... um, Okay, I just went down one rabbit hole, which is my my biological father cheated on my mom with the head pastor's daughter, which is um, something I'm always trying to write to try to make fun of in this TV show I'm developing (laughs) about my mom and I, because the, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And for that to have happened Mm. to her, I was just thinking how Inhez 
husband cheats on her with her sister. And so that act of betrayal feels similar in resonance. And I actually, um, as I was looking for Young Hen in his names in Korean, I discovered um, a Korean edition of The Vegetarian and I sent it to my mother and I said, please know this is very dark. But I would like you to read it. And she read Pachinko in Korean, in the Korean edition that I sent her, because I'd loved reading Min Jin Lee's Pachinko so much and knew that there was a Korean edition. So Mm -hmm. I I believe she'll read this too, whereas I sent her The Life of Pi a couple weeks ago in Korean, and she hasn't read that. And I thought, (laughs) oh, there's there's also a reason I want you to read that. And and then you can watch the movie, and I'm giving you things to do. Anyway, um, to bring that back to realizations um, about my mother and infidelity and experience of trauma, I think there is this pithy phrase in the gay and LGBTQ plus community about it gets better and... Mm-hmm. I have nothing against Dan Savage. I have no relationship to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet this phrase has been tossed to my mother and I repeatedly throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And I am in a long-term relationship now with a partner with whom I will envision a, or I envision a large, long chapter of our lives together. And mm-hmm. my mother has met him and uh, true to form, full of contradictions, has cooked for him Korean dishes and such, but refuses to come to our future wedding, say. Or if we raised kids together, Mm. that would be a point of sacrilege that she would never participate in. And um, while some may say, oh, she cooked for him, isn't that a sign of progress? Mm. Her language and her attitude and her energy is not something I would want to give power to defer to or share with say our future children Mm. and and so Mm. that phrase of it gets better has always rubbed me the wrong way Mm. and mm, you know in these points of frustration that are beyond it gets better but say politics and this most recent election and the way my mother accesses news and ingests that which is quote-unquote truth or quote-unquote journalism, or actually no quotes around journalism, but just journalism and journalistic integrity and the doubts that have been sown to certain people of a certain perhaps political inclination or belief and the president prior to the one we have now fostering that Mm. has really frustrated my communication with my mother, my... Um, hope for her health and safety as she mm-hmm. refuses the vaccine right now and right. she is in her 70s and eligible for it and i i have come to reckon with or try to it's not that i find peace with it because it does keep me up at night but i Aww. have to accept that i read a new york times article and lend my generosity that it is towards a journalistic integrity that she outright refuses to lend or believe in Mm. any way or form and that the new york times and the washington post and the la times and um, even (laughs) the bbc or that that all major publications are no longer true and are all 
false or you know, whatever those phrases that were yeah. touted by our previous administration yeah. and, right. and overly advertised and that now she turns to Facebook news and the Epic Times or whatever that publication is and yeah. other sources in quotes as truth and I cannot it doesn't there are no more grounds of logic or reason yeah. to converse with her and mm. That is a very hard thing to accept. And yet, if I cannot say the earth is round and then move forward from there, not that my mother is a flat earther, but as an <laughs> example, if we can't even agree that the earth is round, mm -hmm. then how can we yeah. then talk about gravity or mm -hmm. then talk about flying in an airplane or right. riding a boat in various oceans or sailing or whatever? So it's that's a very hard point of reckoning that I continue to grapple with, obviously, mm -hmm. as I ramble on about it. But um, no, no. I imagine I'm not alone, you know, with our yeah. last and current administration. You're not. Um, I'm from Texas, Daniel. I My immediate family is not there, but uh, or they're not in that headspace. But I've definitely got extended family that um, we just can't talk about that kind right. of stuff mm -hmm. because if you can't agree what facts are, right? Then, like if you global said, warming isn't real, then how do you encourage someone to exactly. recycle? As it's snowing in Texas right now, yeah, yes. exactly, right. Right. exactly. Right. And yeah. with power outages everywhere, yeah. but no, global warming's not real. Right. Right. Not real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ooh, this goodness. is a great segue for my next question. Get I'm gonna find it. it. <laughs> okay, one of my favorite quotes from the book is. Life is such a strange thing, she thinks, once she has stopped laughing. Mm. Even after certain things have happened to them, no matter how awful the experience, people still go on eating and drinking mm. and washing themselves. Living, in other words. And sometimes they even laugh out loud. Daniel, this is just a fun fact, but I know from stalking you and reading your bio <laughs> on your website that your name means laughter in Hebrew. Yes, so, Isaac. Since we're talking about laughing, that. I just yes. want to plug that because I love that. I love okay. that quote. I dog-eared that page too. Yeah, mm. it's an yeah. important one. I think we, mm -hmm. especially in these last couple of years, we just, I mean, now I'm just going down a spiral and I'm not even coming to my question. I'll come back to the question. But since we're here and talking about it, I do think <laughs> it's important to note that I think so many of us were just so quick to jump to everything that was terrible and yeah. and freak out about how our lives were changing so drastically and for the most part in such a negative way. But to see the resilience mm. that humans have come up with in these past mm -hmm. in this past oh, year yeah. mm -hmm. and how we are just continuing to live in a way that we never thought we could. And a lot mm -hmm. of aspects of it I think are actually better than how we were living before. Yeah. Can I interject there? Because this is a point that listeners won't realize, but what I see on our Zoom right now are the three of you with professional microphones, um, pop screens, sound insulation <laughs> equipment, good lighting, big headphones on, creating a podcast with tons of viewers that you know and don't know, creating a piece of art and conversation and a point of empathy and being vulnerable for strangers as as a product of a very difficult time. And so I just tip my metaphorical hat to that, Aww. that that this is proof of that, that people listening can't see, but I can mm. see as that takes so much work, money and time and, 
energy that perhaps may not have happened without quarantine and lockdown and shelter mm-hmm. in place. It would not and have happened. Would it would not have happened. And while it may be so frustrating to hear, find the glass half full or silver lining of these times, mm-hmm. here is a definite product of it with you three. And I think that's mm-hmm. something to recognize and and acknowledge and praise in my own little way. Can we cheers to that? (laughs) You finished your drink already? Um, I have a refill in my... Good for you. Cheers. Thank you for saying that. That was very sweet. And congrats to you guys. But, you know, go to the tough question. You you like (laughs) two-parters, and I'm I'm prepared. She really does. (laughs) I've listened to that, too, and thought, yeah, she she was probably very good at English essays, where I'm going to go from point A to B, and you didn't even know I was going to take you there. Give me an A now. But similar to your mom, to bring her back into this, I am also... I describe myself as a walking contradiction. So I mm-hmm. it's tricky because I, I always have two sides. Mm. Anyway, this one actually isn't that difficult, but this question is for all of you. Oh. Yeah, okay. Hello, all ladies. Right. I've found throughout the years that I keep gathering tools for my arsenal for how I can cope with the really dark and hard times, such mm. as journaling, simply just crying until mm-hmm. I can't cry anymore, watching a rom-com. <laughs> Pouring a boulevardier or screaming into a pillow. <laughs> I want to know what are some of your favorite tools that you have gathered that you find work for you to continue, quote unquote, living. Wow. So I can add them to mine. Mm. <laughs> or that our listeners can have some reprieve if they're having a hard time with that. I think all of us have had to really equip ourselves as of late with all these tools, the arsenal, to continue pushing through. Because we're not anywhere near the end of this, mm. but we but we are pushing through. I've had to deal, as as you ladies know, and Daniel, you were kind of a part of this um, when we first met. I've had to reinvent myself several times throughout my life. So the whole idea of overcoming a struggle and getting past that is not new to me. Mm. And I've just had to find ways where I can really, really overcome My biggest thing, and I think the biggest thing that has been as of late, is support. Mm. Because of being an only child, I always thought that I had to do everything independently and not really ask. (laughs) You would get this, Daniel, right? And not really ask for someone's (laughs) hand. Uh My empathy meters just went off the charts. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) But now I, I, another realization is that having and being open and vulnerable and just speaking my truth to someone, (sighs) all of a sudden, there's like this huge weight off my shoulders because at least I'm acknowledging that it's there. I'm sharing it with someone. It's becoming a reality. And then I can kind of really start coping with it. Before it was just with therapy. So yes, Daniel, I'm also like a huge fan of therapy. Everybody (laughs) needs to go through a therapist. (laughs) But I think really just having the support of friends you can trust and the support of family that you can trust that that they will be there and they will just listen and hear you and actually understand you. I think that's a game changer. Mm -hmm. Total game changer Mm -hmm. for me. And laughter, laughter, Mm -hmm. laughter, laughter all the way. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't think this will surprise you ladies at all because you know me so well, but I'm I have very much been someone in the past who in order to keep going I 
I'm very good at shielding myself from things to just power the fuck through, like whatever it takes to just keep powering through. And I think a lot of the work that I've been doing during this pandemic has been to take a lot of that armor off Mm. and get down to the root of a lot of things and start to feel okay feeling things again and feeling comfortable with being uncomfortable feeling Mm. stuff because you can't be an actor who doesn't like to feel stuff like that's just not (laughs) that's not gonna work too Mm -hmm. well for very long Mm -hmm. um so i i feel like the the new mantra that i've taken on or the new sort of thing i've taken on to keep going is to just keep on digging deeper into myself to keep Mm. on digging deeper into the crap into the fear into the disgust and hatred Mm. and shame whatever is in there is the truth and that's the i feel like that's the only way you can keep going is to keep growing absolutely Mm. um yeah so that's that's me I tip my metaphorical hat to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Thank you. (laughs) Emma, do you want to answer that question? I mean, I kind of did in in asking the question. I cry a lot. I love journaling. (laughs) I will say I tried naked yoga for the first time the other day by myself, (laughs) and that might be my new one. That might be my new tool. It was great. I have to try that. I know. (laughs) I really want to try that out. That's a level of body positivity I have not reached. No, no, no. You don't need a mirror. It's uh, you don't have to she look was at yourself. Alone. Yeah. yeah, I was it alone. Wasn't. But when you're in downward dog, you don't need a mirror. You're still seeing things like Depends Whenever on I see a model are. like bent over and they still have no ripples or anything, I just think that's not fair. A human you know, body should ripple. But you know what? I should ripple. <laughs> should ripple. But you know what? I actually want to comment on that before you answer because I think what I loved about it was that I went into it expecting to be like mortified mm. and I was so nervous and I found myself like at the beginning um, and I obviously was not on camera. So I say, you know, at the beginning of class, it was myself. But like I was I would find myself like trying to cover myself by putting my mm. hand on my shoulder. And it was mm-hmm. just me. Yeah. But then mm. I found that as I kept going, I kind of like started to love it. And I and I could see ripples in my body. But I was like, you know, I'm fucking human. Like, yes, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. And mm. so it did kind of like tap into this whole new like appreciation for myself that I think is maybe especially really I don't want to speak for everyone but I think women are really fucking hard oh on themselves. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> yes. Body positivity. Yeah. Um yeah. and men are too actually. I really shouldn't make it a gender specific. And what is gender? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm spiraling. Um <laughs> but it, it was a really nice realization of this is my fucking body, and if I want to do yoga naked, I can, and I could yeah. feel every muscle in my body, ah. and it was a whole new body awareness that I mm. totally dig. So I'm going to add that to my tool belt, and uh, now I want you to answer, Daniel. <laughs> save me from my, from I felt like I talked rambling. for a long time in the beginning, so I wanted the women to go first. Yeah, you're our guest star. So for a number of years, I was recommended Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way. Yes. And I I kept just 
shrugging it off and thinking, I don't need this. I'm not receptive to this. This sounds like hippy-dippy nonsense. It's like woo-woo artist crap. Woo-woo mm-hmm. is the perfect word. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, you know, in that, that stereotypical way, it came back to me when I needed it. And I... I recommend it to artists and non-artists alike, but I don't push it upon them. I just say it kind of like how I post selfies when I read a book. It's not to say read this book right away, but Mm -hmm. when you get enough reminders from the universe, then Mm. sometimes, you know, like Emma, you you say, oh, maybe I should read The Vegetarian. I've seen this pop up in a a number of ways. Yes, it's so true. I feel like the artist way was that for me, where a number Mm -hmm. of people from various walks of life told me about it, and I finally participated. And while I can't quote everything outright in this moment, the thing I did take away were morning pages. And Mm. my laptop is set up in front of me right now. And behind it, the first shelf of my desk is um, shelf to shelf just um, journals of my morning pages. Oh, you're still doing it. Oh my goodness. And I, I, you know, sometimes I take a break. I can't always commit to it. And the idea is you wake up and first thing in the morning, you just write three pages freehand. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Emma, you talked about dreams in the previous episode Mm -hmm. and how you kept a dream journal. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I can remember my dreams. Sometimes I can't. You know, I make a little Nespresso in the morning and then I, I, and my partner knows to leave me alone in the morning that this is sort of a sacred thing (laughs) of I wake up. Yes, you wake (laughs) up. Brandy's like, my empathy meter just went off. Yes. She's like, yes, Daniel. That's what partnership has to be, right? We have to know when the other partner's alone time is and yes, you know there true. are only ch- children in this group and i think that alone <laughs> time is sacred in many ways yeah. and and my partner knows just don't don't talk to him i mean like you can <laughs> say one or two questions but don't bring up important things let him make his coffee let That's him do his great. writing yeah. and then the day actually begins mm. and i i glanced up at it this morning thinking about our interview today or this podcast today and I thought, wow, I I have needed this more than ever. I have the privilege of accessing and being able to afford and have insurance for therapy once a week. Mm-hmm. And my therapist is so great and says, you can text or call or have another session in between if you want. But I sort of oh. leave it at the weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And the morning pages have really helped me. I flipped through one of them early on March 2020 of of I just happened to flip the pages and it said, it's been one week of quarantine. This already feels like forever. <sighs> and, <sighs> and I didn't want to read any more of it. I, yeah. I don't want to look at it for a while, but to know <laughs> that those feelings are in there. Yeah. And, and earlier, even in this session, we've talked about how to talk about something, to identify something while may not be a solution. It just, helps to identify it mm-hmm. to name the fears mm-hmm. to to identify the darkness and then yes. <laughs> to be silly or nerdy and bring it back to the book that <laughs> that the vegetarian is so dark and also the quote you just mentioned Emma is so full of light and laughter and I think mm-hmm. that happens in so many different passages of the book where mm-hmm. she's so good at identifying darkness and the incredible depths of despair and yeah. tragedy but at the same time she can do that for light and and i think mm. all three narrators and young at the center of it are seeking light or goodness yes. or mm-hmm. 
Freedom. To do more than survive. Yes, to yes. thrive. And, yes. and yeah. even if for young hair, that means starving and being a plant, that is her pursuit of joy. And mm-hmm. while mental illness and one's um, perceptions of health and wellness and goodness are a different topic, the mm-hmm. way these characters wrestle with what they want for themselves, that what will bring them joy and where they have been complacent or where they're trying to shake themselves out of the mm-hmm. norm or the um, repetition or the everyday, the mundane, mm-hmm. I think is so admirable and beautiful and what I want for myself when yeah. we live a very first world problem but difficult quarantine life of days bleeding together and running out of things to watch on Netflix or for me (laughs) just buying books at an insatiable appetite rate that um, as if to fill some sort of void Mm. Um, and that the morning pages have been so um, such a lifeline for me And, and Brandy what you were saying about reaching out to to ask for help to to speak out that you need other people as an only child i am so fiercely independent at times oh, Mariana, I have trouble. Yeah, yeah. was that mariana, oh, mariana yeah. said that. yes um and and to know that we aren't meant to be alone and many people are quarantined alone and the four mm-hmm. of us have the privilege of having partners in our homes yes, and and there yeah. are their own problems and gripes there and everyone should have a long time in space and whatnot but people who are really <laughs> alone to know no, to right. have at least we have technology we have yeah parks you know um exactly. and to your uh, point earlier walks. though about how art gets so neglected i mean yes not having enough to watch on netflix is totally a first world problem <laughs> but also like what a magical way for us to be able to still connect to our humanity mm-hmm. through other people's stories mm-hmm. during this time when we don't get that connection as much as we're used to or like you know you mm-hmm. were saying you're you're reading books at an insatiable rate what an amazing thing to be able to connect to the human spirit yes. through a book <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. during mm-hmm. this time. Totally. So I feel like our education, or at least my education, was very white, cis, male, straight centric. And mm-hmm. so my education for myself, especially mm-hmm. in this quarantine, has been female people of color, yeah. black, Asian American, indigenous mm-hmm. voices that I wasn't exposed to. And I'm going on my own journey of education and Mm -hmm. exposure and and i wouldn't have time to otherwise and so i'm thankful there is the silver lining yes right Mm -hmm. and that's been a coping thing for me because Mm -hmm. you three know how much i love theater and that is one thing that doesn't (laughs) exist in its live form and so i I had to find other stories and thank goodness there are more books than we could ever read in our yeah. lifetime yeah. from living <laughs> authors true. alone. So and much so that's overwhelming for me. That like I yes. know that I won't be able to read all the books I want to read in my mm. lifetime. Like that right. really depresses me. Yes. Mm. But now I would kill for that depression to walk in a bookstore and think, oh, I can never read this. But let me wander <laughs> this bookstore for an hour <laughs> and a half. Let me just and which around. has good yeah. cover art yeah. and let me buy that dumb bookmark that's overpriced <laughs> and I'll use it once and the random stuffed animal or backpack so that, true. you know you're I going will, to the strand aren't that. you yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the strand to me that sounds like the strand 
I love McNally Jackson and Shakespeare and Co. Yes. Support your small bookstores, everyone. Yes, Yes, please. I just bought our next book for the book club, which will be announced at the end of this episode from... Okay, here, let's do a shout out. Sisters Uptown Bookstore in Harlem. It's a female black-owned bookstore, independent. They ship directly from the store. So you can support them, get books from them directly without them having to give a profit to anyone else. Sisters Uptown Bookstore, support. Woo-woo, woo-woo-woo. I love that. I love that. And not to get too woo-woo from what you just said Earlier, Daniel, we're here for the woo woo. Today, but what you said was so beautiful, and it just occurred to me you know, you're talking about the opposition of darkness and light. And it, I was thinking in that moment that that's trees, too. You know, trees mm. have this like oh. underground root system in the darkness where there's no sunlight yeah. reaching and grasping for a water source, and on the top. It's all about getting sunlight, and they're reaching upwards to reach the sun. And so what a beautiful metaphor for the book that we're all in this duality of darkness and light, Mm, and that's literally what trees are. So thanks for bringing that up because, like, that's such a cool – I just never really thought about it like that before. Yeah. 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 I loved the image of her in a handstand. Right. Yeah. That was her – feeling like a tree more and um and i don't want to go into whether or not she's experiencing mental illness Mm -hmm. and i lent a lot of generosity in the book of this is what she Mm -hmm. wants for herself and no one else Mm -hmm. is letting her do Mm -hmm. it and self-harm is one thing but um but the way she wants to live and be in the world is another totally it is deserving of respect and um you know her body her choice Yes. Um, and there was something about trees. Okay, I'm going to bring a, two references. One is weird. M. Night Shyamalan had a movie called The Happening, which I'm going <laughs> to ruin now. But it was a bunch of people committing. Listen, the movie's been out for a long time. So listeners, <laughs> stop listening. It's skip ahead if you really care about this movie. Right. Yeah. But the premise of this M. Night Shyamalan movie is that there are mass suicides happening and people are wondering why in, you know, isolated regions or like uh, concentrated places, people were committing suicide en masse. And then um, the twist reveal, again, spoiler (laughs) alert, so sorry, but not, um, is that plants are communicating through the wind, which is a real thing. And that the world is overpopulated. And so plants are releasing a toxin that makes um, other living beings commit suicide so that they are essentially doing population control. And trees do do that with like parasites and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Right. And so trees communicating with one another is the point I was ultimately getting to through this pop culture <laughs> reference that I'm so sorry if I spoiled it for anyone. It I hope it was it. worth then, it, Daniel. Right, yeah. Well, it was um, worth it for me. I often think, yeah, as a sidebar, I often think his character portraits in times of intense trauma and stress are more interesting than the yeah. twists of mm. the movies themselves. And so I, I give lots of credit and beauty mm. to that of the human condition uh-huh. under duress rather than um, 
was that a big right. shocker? Mm-hmm. Right. He was mm-hmm. a ghost all along twist. So um, all that aside. And then there was a point in the pandemic where I read a book about mosses <laughs> called Gathering Moss by Robin Wall Kimmer, I want to say. And she's an indigenous person who is a, a moss professor a friend of mine in another book club recommended it to me and i take recommendations very seriously so i read it and it took me a while to read it but um the way that moss communicate with each other is its own fascinating science and rather beautiful thing on a microscopic microscopic Mm -hmm. scale that she then you know it uses as a metaphor for the macro and so the desire of a person like Younghead to want to be a plant and the way she talks about it when she's in the mental asylum in part three especially of um the way her sister recalls Mm -hmm. rather her talking about it and wanting to be connected and communicating with and communing with and finding community in I think Mm -hmm. is so beautiful and I bring that to tie into is this what you said, Brandy, about leaning on others or talking to others? Um, have, I think it's Mariana. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wait, Brandy, what did you say? What, Nothing what about leaning on everybody. I'm very no, solitary. No, but being like, like not asking for help, was that part of your thing? <laughs> anyway, I've, I've got, you know. I've yeah, Boulevard. Yeah, you can always blame the drink. It works exactly. every time. We're down with that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, interconnectedness, yes, yes. trees, plants. Well, you know, you were saying that you didn't want to get into the question of mental illness with young head and all of that. And I totally agree with mm. you. Mm. I do think it's one of the big questions of the book, whether she's a sick woman living in a normal world or a normal woman living in a sick world. I think that duality is at the heart mm. of it. But I don't think the book wants... Mm. I don't think it's trying to answer that question. I don't think it wants us to answer that question. But there's a moment in chapter three when in He, unable to sleep, she lays down in the bathtub with her clothes on as her husband once had. And laying Mm. there, feeling Mm -hmm. the coziness of the tub, she thinks that he might not have been so incomprehensible to her after all. She finds sort of this thread of understanding. I mean, he's gone at this point, so it's a little late, but she does grasp it at least. So I want to know from all of you, it can be either serious or silly, but in sort of the spirit of connecting with other people, have you ever had a moment when you thought someone was behaving incomprehensible or crazy, quote unquote crazy, only to have a viewpoint shift and realize that maybe they're not so crazy or irrational, that maybe there was some commonality there? My my mom and I actually recently had a discussion and we were talking about, uh, speaking of moms, <laughs> the moms are coming into, <laughs> into this book somehow, <laughs> into our podcast. But we, we were talking about a former colleague of hers who would lash out very frequently, mm. would act rude to everyone. And she was working with children and adults. So it was the type of thing like, where is this? almost quote-unquote insane type of behavior coming from. We then find out that she had suffered a, a really horrific tragedy in her life. Um, but that story never came to light until recently. We're so quick, and we've brought this up before on the podcast, we're so quick to put labels on some without actually hearing them out and knowing mm. where this type of behavior is coming from. And then you really see the person, you're like, well, no wonder. I could I I would probably behave the same way if I right. didn't have the help or if I was right. if I didn't have the support or if I didn't reach out and grab the hand of someone I would 
I would behave the same way. We need to start, or at least I'm going to speak for myself, I need to start sympathizing more and empathizing more instead of having a, an initial judgment on someone because I, I don't quite understand where it's stemming from. Like I need to, I need to dig yeah, deeper I feel that. into that. I think, I wonder if I would answer this question differently if I didn't live in New York and I haven't lived here for as long as I have and I've witnessed as much as I have. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. this city really does make you kind of immune to that, what you said, quote unquote, crazy behavior. You know, I'm always aware of, of those individuals like on the subway that are living their own lives in their own little worlds, but verbally so, so that we're all right attuned to it. Um, but there did come a time of, a couple years ago where <laughs> I was really mad and I was talking I was talking out loud to myself, which I do all the time. I talk to myself all the time. But yeah. for some reason, this time, I realized that I sounded like the people that we oh. go crazy on the street that just talk to themselves. Yeah. And I was like, I can see so easily how that would happen to you, especially living in this city when there's so many frustrating elements and everything just makes yeah. you mad. And so you just talk to yourself. And then with time, you just keep talking to yourself. And then the people that are willing to listen to that fall more and right. more so. And so that actually gave me a lot of a lot more empathy for those individuals. I think on the flip side of what you asked, I think a huge problem now is because we've become so desensitized to that behavior. I remember several years ago, I was walking through Times Square, must have been on my way to see a show <laughs> or an audition. I was in Times Square. I was walking with a friend <laughs> and there were these two women and um, one of the women was like pretty much like crying and screaming for help. And I mm. saw all these individuals just walk past, just walk past, walk past, completely ignoring her. But I stopped and I was like, do you need help? And she was like, I think my friend is having a heart attack. And I was <gasps> like, my oh. God. But all these people were so desensitized to right anyone by. screaming oh. for anything that they were like, nope, can't be bothered. And then, you know, and I thought, God, what if we just stopped sometimes and exactly. listened to these people? Exactly. And it kind of reminds me of that movie Blue mm. Jasmine. Do you remember that with Kate mm -hmm. Blanchett? Oh, yeah. Where she, I think movie. when she starts out, she's very much on top. And I think she might see somebody at a park or something who she just kind of writes off as crazy because they're talking to themselves. And then, spoiler alert, by the end of it, she's gone on a very long journey and she is the crazy person in the park talking to themselves. I'll give the example of Home Alone 2. I rewatched that over Christmas. And when Macaulay Culkin's character is talking to the bird lady in oh. Central Park and she's oh, yes. talking about how she feels closer to birds and oh, not talking yes. to Oh, my and, goodness. Um, and finds more comfort there yeah. and ease there. I think that is another example. Yeah. Though forty five makes an appearance, right, right, and right. Fast no, right. That. There have been talks about removing him. I think mm -hmm. from it. No, <laughs> really? yeah. I will go on the record of endorsing this. Yeah. But, um, I, Ditto. You know, yeah, that point of understanding that which we feared or judged at first. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. Okay, Daniel, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot one last time. All right. Are you ready for this? Okay. Bring it. <laughs> Bring I would it. love to hear if there was, since you were so kind enough to listen to our three previous episodes on The Vegetarian, 
I, we would love to hear whether there was a part that you disagreed with while you were listening or something that you wanted to, from your perspective, that you wanted to clarify that maybe we we totally missed. Other Anything than the spelling, that you think the pronunciation of their names. Well, <laughs> you did tell us that, which, yes, thank you so much for doing the research on that one. But anything else that, that did pop out at you while you were listening to mm. us? I thought of one thing just now as you asked that, which is um, South Korea and Korea as a whole is a country that had a recent war mm. that, you know, in our lifetime had a recent war and that I'd like to... I haven't fully thought this out, so please don't come from me on Twitter. But <laughs> I think in some ways, food or dietary restrictions are a privilege and that not all people can um, adhere yeah. to such things, say, because of economical um, restrictions or yeah. access. And so, um, so I think of a country like Korea with a, a recent mm. war and um, and this isn't just to justify that I love um, kalbi, which is a beef dish, <laughs> or um, like you know pork belly and uh, whatnot in Korean traditional dishes, but that um, that to cut out meat um, for a country or a people that that lacked yeah. food, period, Ooh. and that food is a sign of privilege mm. and. Um, uh, a level of comfort that you have reached and access to not be hungry. And so um, the importance of meat in this culture and not to give so much sympathy to that horrific um, dinner table yeah, scene or lunch yeah. scene with the family, but the way the father reacts would be of age of someone who knew what it was like to be mm. hungry in the midst of point. war. And he's a veteran, and So as we right? talked about empathy and sympathy, right, right for people that we yeah. don't understand or agree with, he's uh, an example. While I don't condone his mm. behavior, I, I add that as a layer of, of where he might be coming from. That's really interesting. And that, yeah, that's um, such a good point. And that I, while I wonder and hope in some ways, but feel like future generations might judge us for having eaten meat at all and and what that has done to our mm -hmm. world or the cost thereof, that these characters are grappling with that in a country that went hungry, mm -hmm. you know, that didn't have cows or pigs yeah. or chickens to spare and that they would have used every right. piece of the animal and there is an mm -hmm. honor to that whereas I, we might live in a more wasteful yeah. society today and thus can have the privilege to cut out certain things or not it was something i thought about when you mm -hmm. were discussing part mm -hmm. one in particular mm -hmm. and in part one i feel like you talked about the color white and and that she was clutching mm -hmm. that white bird at the end of the chapter and while i'm again not an expert on korea there is this one thing where um we in America and a lot of countries wear black mm -hmm. for funerals. And in Korea, you wear white. Oh. And white is the garment of death. <gasps> and so I wondered if that was an added layer of significance that we didn't get to experience in the English translation. Yeah, and I'm eager to ask my mom about it. Because the white bird recurs in part yes, three, right, too, right, which you guys right. mentioned in chapter three. And so, and oh, then we have the opposite with that black bird. Right. Right, right. 
Right. Huh, so I, I had a question really about that. Interesting. That I'll follow up with my mom after she reads it. Yes. And then, Let's oh, bring her in here. In, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> part two. <laughs> um, in part three, Younghe is is um, sort of catatonic and not speaking before they try to force that feeding yeah, tube yeah. in mm-hmm. her nose. And um, at one point when she's alone with her sister, Inhe, she says... Um, it phonetically, Deborah Smith, is it the translator, does mm. a uh, and uhn un. And in Korean, a female to older female calls her big sister. And in Korean, that word is unni. And so it, I, for a moment, just because I reread chapter three or part three last night, mm-hmm. I wondered, oh, is that her saying unni, big sister? to her sister there that we as Americans wouldn't have right, gotten from the English right. translation yeah. and that that was just maybe just a moment like a little Easter egg for the Korean um, oh. understander or speaker that there was a point of recognition there in what seemed like gibberish oh. or just um, oh, that's nice. grappling in a catatonic state oh, I really love <sighs> that I wanted to remember to tell you guys you know woman to woman sister to yes. sister yeah um, yeah thanks thanks for bringing that to light thanks for giving me a space to think about this book again i i read rather quickly i know people make fun of me and, <laughs> um voraciously and i don't always get to talk about the books that i read and so this was such a lovely chance of you know not to say book clubs are in vogue again but they've <laughs> certainly been become more in vogue for me now because we're not talking about the latest Broadway or off-Broadway I show know. that we can right. all consume and, and then have cocktails about after. Right. So um, <laughs> right, right. to do that with books is is so special and mm. um, sacred, I would even mm. dare to say. And um, so lovely to get to do with you all. So thanks. Well, I have one last question for all of you. Bring it. In his husband has the idea for the video of Jiwoo walking and butterflies floating up from his stumbling toddler footsteps, but he never mm. does it. And that really seems to haunt him. Mm. We're not getting any younger, any of us. <laughs> What's one unexplored passion you have that you need to get on ASAP so that you don't someday wake up regretting not having done it? Because of creating this podcast? I have now really thought to myself that I need to create more of my work. I've always been yeah. very afraid, have found that idea so daunting. But I do feel that there is a story that I need to tell and it should be told. When that will happen, who knows? But yeah. that's something that has been in the back of my mind. Yes. You should. Yeah. I support that. <laughs> yes. Do it. I don't know if I'll be able to get on this ASAP, but I really want to be a host on SNL. Oh! Yes. (laughs) That would be amazing. That might be a long journey, but I just want to be on that show in any form. Yes! Yes. It will happen. (laughs) I believe Put it out there. Yeah. Mine is mine is much simpler than both of yours. I I need to salsa dance. I've always wanted to learn how to salsa dance. <laughs> I would go with you any day. I know of that the you week. would. I know that you <laughs> would. I will too. We we will all go post pandemic. I'm gonna learn how to salsa Please. dance. Oh, fun. 
dance. As a kid, I loved to dance. And oh I don't know gosh, when that Brandy. left me, but it did. And I hate it. Oh, that I don't maybe know. there's a Zoom class. Let's definitely maybe audience yeah. if you have one. Yeah. I'm Make doing I'm doing your next segment. Yes. Message. Yes. Are these books drunk? Yes. You know, whatever that email address was. And tell us if there's a Zoom class we should all take yes. with yes. your three husbands and my partner. Yes. And we'll call oh, salsa dance at that's home. On. Uh, Couple bonding it. activities. I'm make this day I, happen, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen. I love that. What about for you, Daniel? It. Oh, I think I think reading all these books have has encouraged me to want to write my own book someday. Mm, and I don't oh. know how long that journey may be, but that's certainly one of them. Yeah. To give myself permission to do that. Mm-hmm. And that same overwhelming thing about walking in a bookstore or a library and thinking, I can never read all these. I also think, what business do I have to write one oh. and add to all these? Oh, and oh, to wow. give myself permission, and to anyone listening, yeah. to give yourself permission to do that yeah. um, is one thing. And... Um, I really love my Polaroid camera SX70 and so I'm I'm I love photography and I've never been able to you know be in a dark room I couldn't afford to like you know develop pictures and I recently read um Little Fires Everywhere oh, by Cel- yeah. C- Celeste mm-hmm. and I'm just starting to watch the miniseries and I know it's overdone in Hollywood but that being in a red lit yeah. room and developing pictures no, is on so my bucket nice. list will probably be a smelly obsession because <laughs> I'm sure those chemicals don't smell great um, but I would love to learn how to do that and um you know not just Instagram book right. selfies. But, yeah, you know, Polaroid book I, selfies. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, manifest yeah. that. I love that. That's a great mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I love all of those. Well, I can't believe we're done with this episode. And the book. And the book. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at arethesebooksdrunk at gmail.com. Yeah. An enormous shout out to Tori Ernst, a dear friend of mine who just started listening to us. Thank you, Tori, for sharing your love for our podcast. We appreciate you. Now, please keep those comments coming we want to hear from all of you yeah daniel get your mom to write a comment (laughs) (laughs) i'll have her read it in korean and then have her listen perfect now announcing our next book what what our book pick for the month of march is the vanishing half by Britt bennett yeah which debuted at number one on the New York Times Fiction bestseller list in 2020 and may just have acquired the rights to an HBO series produced by the author herself. Wow. So excited. For part one, we will be reading until the end of chapter three. Keep following us on Instagram at AreThesebooksDrunk to keep up with next week's cocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because always happy. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you so much, Daniel. So much. This was everything. Yes. 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 Happy Lunar New Year. Happy Lunar New Year.